1 Kings chapter 2. So the days of David drew close, and when he was going to die, and he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Verses 1 and 2. So here's a father to his son, and it's typical fatherly advice, I suppose. Show yourself a man, son. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And David is coming to the end of the road. Now, it's interesting to me that David's later years were spent in a feeble physical condition. A man who must have had and must have been in tremendous physical shape in his prime. I mean, he talks about, by the Lord, I've run through a troop. I've leaped over a wall, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty, And you see the rugged country that David fled from Saul, the, the wilderness of Saib and, and down into En Gedi. And so this, it's just a rugged area. You know, he, he had to have been in top physical shape. But yet in the later years, he's stricken and now about to die. And God doesn't give us immunity from death. God doesn't give us immunity from feebleness, perhaps, before death. And this business of every child of God ought to live prosperous life and a healthy life doesn't follow the scriptures. I mean, here is David, a man after God's own heart, stricken in his older years. And now he's about ready to die. Others are healthy up until death. But it is really, well, you know, it, it isn't fair. It isn't right. You say it's, well, brother, if you just believe God and think positively, you know you could be healthy and you wouldn't have to suffer like this. No, not so. There's no explanation as to why sometimes very godly people suffer. We don't know the reason. And don't feel that just because you have a positive attitude, it's going to give you immunity from any suffering either. And David's advice to Solomon was very good to begin with, but then it sort of lapsed into this personal vengeance that David wanted Solomon to take. That's so typical of David, right? He had his capacities for extremely high spiritual characteristics, but then he also had the capacity to be extremely human. I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn yourself. Verse 3. So, good advice here. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies, in order that you may be prosperous. Walk and keep. Now, earlier David had written, Blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law does he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water, bringing forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Now, when Moses was giving Joshua the charge, Moses said to Joshua, much of what David said to Solomon in his command to Joshua, that he might keep the commandments and ordinances and statutes of the Lord. For this way shall you make your way prosperous, Joshua 1.8. So the key to prosperity is obedience to the laws of God. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. This is just excellent advice by David to his son. And David reminds him of God's conditional promise. But notice, it is a conditional promise. Now, are there are those today that call themselves British Israelites. I mean, we had... Herbert W. Armstrong and his errant son, Ted, and they proclaim that the king of England is actually a direct descendant of David because of it being the only continuing monarchy. And God promised David that there would never cease one of his family from sitting upon the throne. And so a part of the tribes migrated to England and the Anglo-Saxon races are actually a part of the 10 lost tribes. And they seek to trace names, you know, and so many Jacobs and so many of the various Israelitish names on so forth on through England and to Europe and so forth. And so their whole premise is that the 10 lost tribes are actually the Anglo-Saxon races today and that God's promise is fulfilled that Prince Charles is actually a direct descendant of King David. And so when he ascends to the throne, it's just a continuation of God's promise to David. But notice, Prince Charles will never see the throne. And notice that God's promise to David is conditional. It is conditioned on, if your children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth and with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail to be a man on the throne of Israel. Verse 4. But that is not an unconditional promise. That is a conditional promise. And David's descendants did not meet the conditions. And so the story that Jeremiah hid, one of David's descendants, and fled ultimately to England with him, and, and all this is just so much <laughs> poppycock conjecture. And it does lack in real evidence and proof. I mean, the promise to David was conditional that the, by the time Judah fell to the Babylonian Empire, they had so corrupted themselves and so turned from God that they had become as godless as the nations around them, worshiping in lasciviousness the other gods of the nations around them. So David had a conditional promise of God. 
his descendants did not walk before the Lord in truth, and so there came an end. Yet the promise to David is to be fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ. For that everlasting kingdom that was promised to David is to be fulfilled when Christ comes. And he shall sit upon the throne of David to order it and to establish it in righteousness and in judgment, henceforth from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this, Isaiah 9, 7. So God will fulfill the promise, but it will be through Jesus Christ when he comes again to reign. Now, David gets into the more, well, the more David side of the whole thing. David is just like we are. We carry grudges and we have animosities. And so he now talks to, to him and he says, this guy Joab, man, he was a pain, and he gave me a lot of trouble, and he killed Abner and also Amasa, and he shouldn't have done that, and don't let this old gray head go down to the grave in peace. Take care of him, but do show kindness unto Barzillai and to his family, because they came out and helped me at the time of Absalom's insurrection, verse 7. But this guy, Shimei, the Benjamite, you remember him who went along the hill cursing and throwing rocks at David on his way out? Don't let his gray head go down to the grave in peace, and don't hold him guiltless. You're a wise man, verse 9. Take care of him. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. The first seven in Hebron, reigning over Judah, and then the last 33 years in Jerusalem, reigning over all of Israel. And Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and the kingdom was established greatly. Now Adonijah came to Bathsheba, and he said, I want you to do a favor for me. Please don't say no. And she said, What is it? And he said, I want you to go to your son Solomon, because surely he won't refuse you anything, and ask Solomon to give to you, to give to me Abishag, David's concubine, that that beautiful gal that was brought in at the end to be with David, to comfort him, to warm him. And so Bathsheba came into Solomon and and he said, Sit down here, Mom, and And he made a place for her sitting at his right hand. And she said, son, I want you to grant me a favor. And he said, well, you, you, you name it, mom. And she said, well, I want you to give Abishag unto Adonijah. And he said, oh, that guy, Adonijah, surely he has, you know, done this to his own hurt. He's going to be slain for this. Verses 10 through 13 and 16 through 24. You see, a a part of the ascension to the throne was receiving of the concubines of the previous ruler. Now, we mentioned that this, when Absalom came into Jerusalem and set up the tent on the roof of David's house and took 10 concubines that David had left to keep the house and all, and went went into them, 
up there on the roof. And that, in a sense, is a mark of ascension to the throne. David had even taken some of Saul's concubines when he came to the throne. So Solomon saw this as a desire of Adonijah still to take the kingdom. That's the way that he interpreted it anyway. And so he says, does he want the kingdom also? I mean, he's seriously upset over this request. So King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord lives, which has established me and set me on the throne of David, my father, who has made me a house as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. And he sent Benaiah down to kill him, which he did. Verse 23 through 25. And then Abathar, the other priest that had gone with Adonijah had, and had conspired with him against, or at least to put Adonijah on the throne, Solomon banished him from serving in the priesthood. He just sent him off to the farm and put him out to pasture. And that was the end of him as far as any service to the priesthood was concerned. And so God did fulfill because Abathar was a descendant of Eli. God did fulfill the word which he spoke concerning the house of Eli and the end of the priesthood of the house of Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 31 to 35, where Eli's sons were so evil. Now tidings then came to Joab that Solomon is moving now against the rebellion of Adonijah and well, he, you know, he's, Adonijah has been killed and Abiathar has been sent out to be, to be banished, really from the capital city. So Joab ran in and grabbed hold of the horns on the altar. Now this was a position of real supplication unto God. I mean, you grab hold and you really cry out unto God, holding onto the horns of the altar. So Solomon ordered Benaiah to go out and kill Joab for all the innocent blood that he had shed. And so he came and said, come out from the altar there. And Joab says, no way, I'm staying here. I'm hanging on. So he came back and he told Solomon this. And he said, I ordered him to come away from the altar. He's holding onto the horns of the altar and he won't leave. And Solomon said, all right. Have it his way. Kill him right there. So he came in and slew him as he was holding on to the horns of the altar for the innocent blood that he had shed. And thus sort of purging or cleansing of the body, bloody reign of David, which much, much of it, of course, could be laid at the feet of Joab. So Benaiah was made the head over the army and Zadok became the ruling priest. Verse 35. Now, this guy... Shimei that had cursed David, and David told Solomon, take care of him. He called him in and he said, look, you're going to stay within the gates of Jerusalem, and as long as you stay there and behave yourself, you will be all right. But the day you leave the city of Jerusalem, you're taking your own life in your own hands. Do you understand this? And Shimei said, yeah, I understand. And he said, okay. So Shimei lived there in Jerusalem for a couple of years, but he had a, a couple of servants that ran off and they went down to Gath, 
one of the Philistine cities. And he heard that the servants were there in Gath. So he left the city of Jerusalem to go down and get his runaway servant. And as it was told to King Solomon, Shimei has left the city. So when he got back, he said, did you not understand that you were to stay in the city? And if you left, that was it? And he said, surely you have brought the death sentence upon yourself. And so Shimei was also executed. Let us pray. Oh, Father, what an exciting time we have coming up. Lord God, we see all the lights and the hustle and the bustle of this world getting ready for Christmas. But Father, in our hearts, we're getting ready to receive you. Father, that you might come even deeper and closer into our lives. That Father, through this Christmas season, Lord, that your birth brought us life. Father, that you would come to this world as a baby, as a defenseless baby, that you would come, grow up in a sinless life, that you would withstand this world as we are to withstand this world, but you are perfect. We are not. Father, let us lean upon you. Let us lean upon your son, Jesus, who washes us and cleanses us so that when we are presented to you, oh, Father, we are white as snow. Lord God, forgive us for our trespasses, for our sins. Father, you are faithful to do that if we come before you in truth. Thank you, God. Thank you for being an awesome God that created all this for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.